In today's show, I'm looking back at the best fits from the 2022 NBA draft, what that might mean for what that might mean, in fact, for fantasy, and whatever else I can think of. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Um, rest of the week, I'm not sure exactly what all the shows are going to be. I'm going to do some more Dynasty stuff though. During the week, players who gained value, but more importantly, players who lost value after the NBA draft will probably have some sort of free agency stuff going on as well. But today, I'm looking at who were the best fits in the NBA draft. Guys who fit into a situation that either complements their skills, complements what the team needs, gives them a role at some point, and really does make sense in terms of viewing that prospect in the lens of Dynasty, but also redraft leagues. This isn't a ranking of rookies. For redraft leagues, I can't do that until free agency is done and I've done my projections, of course. Otherwise, I'm just, you know, talking nonsense. But we would be um, remiss if I if we didn't go through and just have a look at where, at this point, some of the teams, uh, some of the rookies are placed that look like better fits. And we'll talk about, you know, some maybe thoughts on their redraft, their redraft value as we head forward. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first... Few that we're going to do here, I'll warn you now, it's pretty boring. It's pick one, Paolo Boncaro to the Magic. And if this had have been Jabari Smith, I don't think it would have been one of the best fits. And I said this on draft day, and I said this in the draft recap show, I think as well, is that Paolo to Orlando, whether you think he was the best player or not, it does make the most sense for the type of player he is and the type of player they need. Now, generally, you don't want to draft for need is my theory. But when you have guys really close together and best player available is not a clear-cut thing, take what makes sense. And to me, that's exactly what Orlando did. A guy that can handle the ball, who probably becomes the best passer on this team. Yeah, Fultz showed a little bit towards the end of last season, but Bunkero is probably the best passer on this team. He's going to be able to slide in and be a high-level offensive engine and scorer. The only other guy that really takes a ton of shots is Cole Anthony. He does not do that efficiently at all. And I think they would be wise to try and pare back his role somewhat and get Fultz and Suggs and Bunkero more in that mix. And Wagner, of course. Wagner can't be a one. Uh, Anthony can't be a one. Fultz can't be a one. John Isaac can't be a one. Carter can't be a one. But Bunkero can. He can be the number one offensive option. He can be a 27 to 29 usage guy. He can be someone that averages 20 and 8 and 5 assists with true shooting 60. He can do that. This is a perfect fit for him, I think. He might not work out as a player. The efficiency might not ever be there. The defense might end up being too bad. I don't think it's bad, but it might end up being too bad for him to be a great option. But in terms of the fit of a player, I really love Paolo Bunkero going to Orlando at number one. 
as I talked about in my final mock draft, I had it down to Chet and Paolo at one or two. I did have Chet marginally ahead of Paolo in terms of best player available, so I took Chet at one. But I said I've got no worries with Paolo going one because that fit is fantastic and he's exactly what that Magic team needs. That's going to push, and you saw it, he was in tier one in my dynasty ranks. That's going to push him right up the top for redraft value as well. And it is always a risky proposition taking rookies inside the top 50. And I wouldn't do it with Paolo, but he could finish there. He could very easily finish there. And if he had have gone to, say, Houston, I probably wouldn't have touched him inside the top 100. Now, top 80, top 75, again, I don't know because I haven't projected it out. But I reckon that's a distinct possibility. So I really do like Paolo Bonquero going to the Orlando Magic at pick one. I also like pick two. That's Chet Holmgren going to the th- to the Thunder. I thought Chet was the best player in this draft. I think he's got offensive upside as a little bit more of a shot creator and passer, but they just need talent. He doesn't have to be a high-level offensive guy because they've got Shea Gildas-Alexander to do that. They've got Josh Giddy to be the ball handler and passer and distributor. So Chet goes in with their dearth of big men. Yes, it might be a little bit rough if he has to start and play center immediately, but they could throw Jeremiah Robinson out. They could throw Pig Williams out there. The other Jalen Williams. I don't know if he's J-Will or J-Dub. I don't know which one he is, but he's the Jalen Williams from Arkansas. Pig Williams. So they could throw those two together and see if they work in the front court. Yeah, don't worry about Pokyshevsky. Don't worry about Darius Basie. I've seen people put out some insane things. No, I don't think I'll draft Chet in fantasy this year because, you know, it's pretty hard for him to find that role. He'll probably just come off the bench behind Poku and Baisley and Robinson Earl. Uh? Excuse me? No, no, that won't happen. The risk of the Thunder shutting guys down once you hit the end of March and April is... is I get that. Don't play in April. I'll stress this again. Do not play in April. Probably don't play the last week of March for fantasy. And... They might actually be good enough to push for the play, and I think they would not like to. I don't think they are, actually. Let's be fair. But I think that people look at this and go, the Thunder, they're just always terrible. We can never draft a Thunder player. They're consistently tanking, which is just actually not true. It just isn't true. It's been two seasons. And I think this if this isn't the last season, well, sorry, if this is definitely at least the last season, and they might not even tank this season. That they might not. All that goes to say that yeah, I don't think that Chet's a guy that we totally avoid. Now he could very, I think, very easily have a top forty fantasy season per game this season. You wouldn't draft him there because there is a risk. There is a risk of missing games towards the end of March, and they will push extra extra days off on injuries for sure. I really need to look in to find out about Josh Giddy's injury and just how actually serious it was. I'll, I'll find out about that if I can. Um, but in terms of fit, it's great. Big man, defensive presence. You've got the offensive guy there. I think it's a great, great fit for Chet to go to the Thunder. And the next one, again, is is boring because it's pick three. Out of the th- those three teams, Jabari Smith. Yeah, Jabari would have worked okay in Oklahoma City as well. I don't think he would have worked that well in Orlando or wouldn't have been optimizing him. In Houston, it's fantastic. He's not a guy that can create well for himself or for others. He's a guy that at Auburn tended to rely a little bit on, you know, long twos or yeah, some weird pull-up twos when he shouldn't have been doing that. But he's an elite shooter. And with Jalen Green, with Alpren Shangoon, he helps them defensively there. With Kevin Porter, with Josh Christopher, 
With all of these guys in, Smith as a four who was comped often to Rashad Lewis, that's a number two or number three option probably offensively. He can be a number two behind Jalen Green or a number three behind if some if they get another high pick this year. He's got some interesting defensive numbers. He's a good rebounder. He's going to be a solid scorer. He could be a 20-point scorer on 21 usage. Right? But ramping his usage up to 27 or 28, which it probably would have had to in Orlando, I don't think would have been the best for his game, and it would have led to a lot of criticism and a lot of inefficiency, and I don't think he needs to do that in Houston. So I don't think the top three really could have gone any better than what it did. The fits for those three guys at those three teams was amazing. And I think that's, again, you, I, I can see Jabari in, in Oklahoma City. Again, playing off shade, that would have made sense. That would have been a good fit there. Chet in Houston probably wouldn't have been as good as him in Oklahoma City. Paolo in Houston would have been all right, but probably not as good as him in, in Orlando. This is as perfect a combination, I think, that you could have found for those first three guys, and it puts them all in a great position. Now, in terms of, again, fantasy value, I think that Chet will go first, then Paolo, and then um, Jabari. And yeah, you're probably looking at top, let's say 60, 75, and 90 would be my guess for um, Chet, Paolo, and then Jabari. That would be my guess. You'll have these, and they might not all finish top 100, and I think Jabari probably has the hardest run at that to be a top 100 guy. And then Chet, again, the, the missed games risk of Oklahoma City allegedly tanking for three months, as people seem to believe. But that, that's probably the where, where I see those guys sitting for redraft leagues. And that is important for Dynasty for the first year as well. First year or two, there is value in, in paying attention to the fit of these guys. Dynasty, we're tending to project five to six years out. And fit and situation and team and teammates don't matter quite as much because we know how much teams and players change. But initially, it is important. You've got a guy like Shaden Sharp. I really like him for Dynasty. He's not on this list. I really like him, but the fit this year, what's he going to do? 16 minutes a game behind Lillard and Simons and Josh Hart? How much is he going to play? Probably not at all. Not enough to make a difference in standard fantasy leagues as the seventh pick. And that is really important to be able to, to, be able to note. It's also important to note that if you need parts for your car, why would you go anywhere else? that isn't Rock Auto. Because you can go to a local chain auto parts store, you can go to a car dealership, and you could might as well just set your money on fire. Now, our money here is made out of plastic, so it doesn't really burn that well. But you guys in, in the States, you got paper money. It burns straight away. It's just as easy. And you don't have to worry about you know, churning through gas money to get there. Rock Auto is an online family business serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. Why would you spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts for your car? Whether that's brake parts or tail lamps, motor oil, or even new carpet, Rock Auto has everything that you would need for your car or truck. So head to rockauto.com and you can find all of those parts that are available for your car or truck. And in their how did you hear about us box, write locked on so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Should we be boring again? Because I think the next best fit is Keegan Murray. For Sacramento, and this is where things different. Did I think the Keegan Murray pick from the Kings was good? No, I didn't. No, I did not. Because I think that they, now we can talk best player available and not knowing who best player available is, and I agree that we don't know that. But to me, the process of taking a 22-year-old who 
benefited, I think, from Iowa's system and beat up on guys who are three, four years younger than him um, because he fits and you're prioritizing fit when you've got a sub-all-star level point guard who regressed last season or a 24-year-old lottery pick from the year before, 23-year-old or whatever he was, that's bad process. So I think the pick was bad from Sacramento. Keegan Murray might be the best player in this draft class. He might be the 10th best. I don't know any of that. I just think the process of it was bad. But in terms of fit, yeah, they have no forwards. Sorry, not true. Because they've got Harrison Barnes. But Trey Lyles doesn't count. Sabonis is a center. Sabonis, I don't know what position he is, to be honest. He's not a center defensively. He's not a power forward offensively. He's, and that's why he's so hard to build around. But Murray can play the three, can play the four. He can play next to Barnes. He can play in place of Barnes. There's a gaping, gaping hole there available in Sacramento for him to slide straight in. Giggity. And he probably will. And he will probably. Look, I, I think there's a chance he has more fantasy value this season than what Jabari Smith does. Possibly more than Paolo. Again, I don't know that because I haven't projected anything out. But he could come in, play 33 minutes, go 17-6-2 with a steal and a block. That's, that's Tobias Harris. That's really, really valuable. So I don't like the Kiga Murray pick from real-life perspective. I do think he's got dynasty value, and I do think he's going to have some really good redraft value, and it's a great fit. I don't think that fit takes them to anything more than the ninth or 10th seed. Again, free agency notwithstanding and trades and whatever else is going to happen. I don't think that makes any sense. It's a bad pick for the franchise, I believe. But in terms of fit, it's great. It's great for Keegan, and it, it's great as a short-term fit for the Kings. And that's exactly what we're here talking about. So I've gone through pick one, pick two, pick three, pick four. So do you think I'm going to do pick five as the next best fit? Well, I'm not. Because I am doing the Detroit Pistons. But I'm not doing pick five because while Jaden Ivey, I think, was the best player available, I'm not hyper-confident with that. There's questions to me about still you know, what he develops into, which there should be for every prospect, really. There's still questions to me. And the fit with him and Cade, while it's great that Ivy puts that pressure on the rim and is really fast and really attacking, if I want the ball in somebody's hands, it's not Jaden Ivy. It's Cade Cunningham. And Ivy needs to work to become more dangerous off-ball and as a shooter. His passing when he has the ball isn't fantastic. So while the pick, I think, was the absolute correct one for Detroit, you take who you think is the best player with the highest upside, absolutely, you do it, and they did it. I don't think it's the greatest fit next to Cade. It's possible that a worse player like Humpty Dumpty, eggs Benedict Matherin, or Matherin, I think is how it's pronounced, and I'm going to work on that, Matherin, um, would be an excellent fit next to Cade. I think AJ Griffin, Shaden Sharp, these guys would have been excellent fits next to Cade. Jaden Ivey, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if Jaden Ivey is the great fit there, but that distracts me from what I was actually talking about. It's their other pick that's more interesting to me, and that's Jalen Duran of, uh, well, from Memphis and now of Detroit. Um, Jalen, I think it's a great fit. And this is what something we talk about, and I'll talk about this more when we do the dynasty losers and 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 uh, winners out of the draft. But when you have substandard to average or below average NBA starters, you don't bank on it. 
So shout out to my man, Elf Stewart, but you cooked. Maybe he beats out Jalen Duran. Maybe they somehow figure out a way to play together. But I don't know about that. But as I've said for two years with Stewart, I wasn't a believer in him in the draft, wasn't a believer in him as a player. And that Detroit should absolutely not make any decisions thinking we have got a franchise center. Because if you want someone different in there, you've got to get someone different in there. And that's why I think getting Duran here, the value of the pick is great, but the fit is also great. He's a bigger guy, much bigger than Stewart. Provide some rim protection, provide some offensive upside, provide some strength and rebounding. I think it's a great fit for them. They've got Sadiq Bay, who I don't love as a prospect. We know this. I think he's fine. But they're building it out with Cunningham and Ivy. They've still got a bit to, bit to go for sure. But I think Jalen Duran is a fantastic fit in Detroit. He makes a lot of sense there. The value they got him for also is, is, is really, really impressive. And that just is exactly what they needed, I think at that position. And that brings us to the next guy. It's another big man. It's Mark Williams. Now, this would have been Jalen Duren going to the Hornets, but of course, the Hornets and plenty of Hornets fans are trying to justify this trade. Oh, we didn't want to pay two first-round rookies. That's cool. Why do you care about Michael Jordan's money? I think the guy's okay. He's got plenty of money. Um, I actually like Williams more than Duren. Cool. You could have taken Williams at 13 and someone different at 15. Yeah, all these sort of things are, you know, people love coping with... Um, as the kids would say, it's copium. They love trying to cope with bad decisions their franchise made. They made one, but in saying that, they've needed a center for 10 years. Probably, maybe, since Al Jefferson. They got one. I don't know whether Williams is going to be good. It's not the point. They needed someone to get in there with some pedigree, with some size, with some rim protection, who isn't Montrez Harrell or Vernon Carey or Mason Plumley, whatever else they'll throw out there, to be a lob threat for LaMelo Ball. And this bloke has got a gigantic standing reach, so it's going to be great. That lob threat value is really, really big, I think, for him. We love that. Um, and the, the fit makes sense. I incorrectly said that he was a year older than what he was the other day, so I apologize for that. But he is older than what Duran is. That's that's true. I'm not sure if there's any semblance of offensive upside for him, but rim protection, rebounding, blocking shots, catching alley-oops, field goal percentage, finishing, it's all great. For fantasy... Yeah, there's a real chance that Chet is number one, Keegan is number two, and Mark Williams is number three this year. In fact, there's a real chance that it goes Chet, Mark Williams. There's a real chance that it goes Mark Williams number one for this season. You're going to have Williams, Chet, Duran even, right up the top of fantasy rookie drafts. And then Jabari and Paolo and Keegan and, and those guys, they're probably the, the main... I don't think Ivy is going to be a great option for fantasy this season. But they're probably going to be these, these really strong options. Yeah, Williams, there's absolutely a non-zero chance that he is the number one fantasy rookie this year because he comes in and he averages 12 and 9 with two and a half blocks on 70%. But Steve Clifford, notorious rookie hater. Don't be surprised when Mark Williams plays 21 minutes a night for the first month. He might do it for the whole season. Steve Clifford hates rookies. Never met a rookie he didn't hate. Maybe that's not true, but he hates rookies. So don't, that's the only thing that worries me is the pairing of Clifford with Mark Williams. Um, now we go out of that lottery type zone. But before we go out of the lottery type zone, it's time for me to tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and your sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including 
the Stanley Cup playoffs, which have just finished, and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. If you go to BetOnline.net right now, they're absolutely crazy, these blokes. The Mad Men. They have got odds and lines up for NFL games December 24th. December 18th. You can have a look at the odds for the Eagles and the Bears on December the 18th. The Dolphins and the Bills. The Bills are eight-point favorites on December the 18th. How about November 27th? Commanders versus Falcons. Minus three for the Commanders. How they are setting lines and putting these up, I have absolutely no idea. But they're doing it. So there are basically every game of the NFL season is already loaded up there. So if there's something you really are interested in, betonline.net has it all there for you. It's also the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, outside the top 15. I really like Jake LaRavia going to Memphis. LaRavia was a guy that was rising up my board as I was doing mock drafts. The fit for him is great. And they just want a wing. Ideally, you don't want, I don't think, to play Morant, Brooks, and Bain as your one, two, and three. I don't think that's what you want to do because you know my distaste of Dylan Brooks's game at times. It's a little bit small, that lineup. And I think getting eventually LaRavia to slide in as a three or a four, take minutes away from Kyle Anderson, who's probably not going to be there anymore. LaRavia connects with Jaron Jackson. He connects with Desmond Bain and Jar Morant. He's a great cutter. He's a good passer. He's a solid shooter. He's a solid defender. I don't think that getting like a six seven six eight wing who connects and does all these things, it couldn't be more perfect for this team that's got big men in Jaron, guards in Jar, put the bloke in the middle, and let's see how it fits together. For fantasy, he's got a really good fantasy game as well. And it would not shock me if he was playing 30 minutes a night in the next two to three seasons and and being the 85th to 90th ranked fantasy player going 13, 5, and 3, with 1.2 steals and 0.8 blocks on 50 and 80. All right, they're really good numbers. I wouldn't be shocked if LaRavia is doing that in year three or year four. I might have said year two earlier. I don't mean that. Year three, year four. Really like his upside. And the fit, I think, is absolutely fantastic with Memphis. So I've got Jake LaRavia as one of my better fits. Now, these aren't all going to be... Would I Actually, let's get back. Would I draft LaRavia in 12-team fantasy this year? Probably not. I, I think I'll still go Brooks and Bain, but free agency could change things. But he will get 20 minutes, 18 minutes would be my guess. There's still Zaya Williams there as well. I think he'll get 18 to 20. And if he starts to, to, to work in, we saw it with Bain as a rookie, he found a role. And LaRavia's got an absolutely perfect runway and perfect skill set to fit this team. I don't think this guy is going to have any impact for fantasy, really, at any point in the future. But I still love the fit. And that's Marjon Beauchamp. Is it is, how French do they pronounce his surname? Or do they say Beauchamp? It's Beauchamp, yeah? Surely. Please. Marjon Beauchamp. Um, for the Bucks, a perfect fit. 6'6", six, six, guard, wing. Can take the Grayson Allen, Wes Matthews type minutes. The Jordan Wara Memorial, I don't give a shit on defense minutes. Will he be a great fantasy player? I think probably not. I'm not sure the shooting is going to be there for him or creation or anything like that. But what I do feel that Beauchamp is going to do is come in there and work work absolutely super hard defensively, bust it every play, 
have size and be that guy they can throw out on the wing. And they needed that guy. He, I think he'll be in the rotation straight away, unless he's just a disaster. I think he'll be in the rotation straight away. I don't think he'll ever be a good fantasy player. But in terms of fit and the perfect guy at the perfect spot, I think it makes a lot of sense. There's probably other ways they could have gone with that pick that might have been a little bit more upsidey. But in terms of, hey, just slide in and do this, please. I think Beauchamp makes a lot of sense there for Milwaukee. I think it's a really, really good selection. Let's go to Houston next, to pick 29. They selected the falling Ty Ty Washington. I thought Ty Ty should have been a top 20 player, maybe top 14, maybe even at pick 10 he could have gone. I think there's a possibility that he's the 10th best player in this draft. Yes, he is older as a freshman, um, but Kentucky guards, there's an automatic boost there. I think he's got some scoring upside. I think he's got shooting upside. I think he's got passing upside. And the Rockets, yes, they have Kevin Porter Jr., but there's an extension decision coming on him, and I don't believe in him as a long-term point guard. Maybe he proves me wrong, but he needs to prove it because he hasn't shown it yet. Um, of course, Taitai hasn't shown it yet either. But the fit of getting a guy who's got, I think, starting point guard upside, who would fit really well next to Jalen Green, probably better than Kevin Porter. I think the fit, if it works out for Taitai, it's a much better fit. And the opportunity is just right there. It's staring right at us for Washington to be a starting point guard on this Rockets team within a year or two. The upside is there. The opportunity is there. And that's what we're looking at here. He won't be a draftable guy in fantasy this season. Um, and it might not ever work out for him. Yeah, the 29th pick is not a ton of capital to invest, but they 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 got into this pick. They traded into this pick. Um, they actually traded down from 26 to, to get him. Well, maybe they didn't trade into it. They traded down from 26, but they got him. I thought it should he should have gone earlier. Um, and, and I just I think it's seamless that he fits into this position, and we'll see if that Kentucky guard bump is a real thing that happens. Then there's real value in it. Let's move into the second round now. I think Christian Coloco for Toronto is a really really strong fit. Obviously they need a center, right? There's the um, the African roots, the Cameroonian roots with Pascal Siakam, the African roots with Masai Ujiri. There's the slow to develop into basketball background that all screams Raptors, right? But it also is like, what do they need? Hey, we need a center. And I had someone tell me the Raptors don't need a center. They've got too many of them. Having too many that are all bad does not mean you have too many centers. It means you've actually got zero centers. That's, that's what that means. Um, and Boucher's a free agent. And Thad Young's a free agent. And then you've got Ken Birch and Achua. I think Achua and Coloco are probably going to be the guys they rely upon. And I, I would not be... Look, they were starting, through their own choice, Ken Birch this last season. There is a real chance that Christian Coloco can get games starting at center. Now, they probably won't because they'll run that lineup with Barnes, Siakam, Ananobi, if he's still there, Trent and Van Vliet. But given they play 48 minutes a night, they're going to get hurt. So Coloco, the ability to expand his shot... Remember, Siakam was like a 20% three-point shooter his first season. I don't say Coloco is going to become even a 30% guy or even take a lot of them, but he's got rim protection. He's got rebound. He's got finishing. He's got some hope, I think, as a shooter. I think there's some hope there, and this is the best place for him to figure that out. And the last guy I want to talk about, am I a little bit biased because I like this guy? Probably. But I'm going back to Detroit Detroit, because I like Gabriel Prochita as a really good fit. Now, he is not going to play in the NBA this season, so it's we're looking at redraft. There's no value. If we're looking at Dynasty... There's no value for this year either. And maybe he's never a guy that impacts fantasy around the top 100. 
But Prochita is a 6'7 wing who's really athletic, who can shoot the ball and can defend really well. And next to Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, there's a, there's a huge opportunity there. Is Prochita the guy to fill it? I don't know. But I know I'd want to give him that opportunity. Because as a shooting wing who doesn't need high usage, who can defend out there next to Bay, next to Ivy, next to Cunningham, I think it makes a ton of sense. And he's absolutely a great selection by the Pistons at 36. If I was them, I wouldn't stash him overseas. I'd bring him straight over this season. So maybe that's the incorrect thing they're doing there. But I, I think it's a great fit with a great opportunity. And I think what his play style is actually fits perfect with the other guys on this team. And that's what makes it a really strong fit to me. Sure, there are other ones that might be considered great fits in this draft. You might like Humpty Dumpty, Benedict Mathurin to the Indiana Pacers. That's fine. You, This guy narrowly missed my list. Jeremy Sohan to the San Antonio Spurs. Sohan now! Narrowly missed it. I actually like it. I like his size and defensive ability. Who else do you think is a great fit from the NBA draft? Drop it in the comments or tweet it at me. And follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments. Drop them down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.